0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Philippians 3, verse 12 to 15. This is what it says Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My dad is Australian, true blue from Newcastle. Get I'm from Newcastle. He's a son of a fitter and turner. He's a fitter and turner. At the age of 19, he felt God call him to New Zealand to do Bible college uh, in Lower Hutt in New Zealand. While he was there, he met my mom. She was a stunning, beautiful woman. She still is. And they hooked up, got married, had a baby girl in New Zealand. It was incredible. They moved back to Australia, helped start a church, had a second baby girl. And then they moved to the Philippines, and they were missionaries for 13 years, and that's when they had me. It's incredible. My mom's amazing. Three kids, three different countries. My dad's a preacher, and he always used to preach and say, yeah, we had our eldest daughter in New Zealand, our middle daughter in Australia, and we made James in the Philippines with foreign parts. I, too, I too would laugh like you until the age of 14, and I worked out what that meant. Then I would curl up in the fetal position and cry every time he said it. So I was born in the Philippines, and I, I lived there for the first 10 years of my life. I went back when I was 17, but I lived there for the first 10. Do we have any Filipinos here this morning? Is there any? Oh, ooh. Are you Filipino, Barry? Ah. Uh-uh. Yo, white people don't understand. I just told them that I'm really good looking. And they all screamed, ah! So I grew up in the Philippines. Till the age of four, I thought I was brown. I used to talk like this, hello. How are you today? I'm fine. Fully thought, fully thought I was a Filipino, I spoke the language, everything. When I was 10 years old, we moved from the Philippines, which is a tropical humor country where it never drops below 30 degrees. In the middle of June, June 15, I'll never forget it, the worst day of my life, we moved to Melbourne, Australia walk out of the airport and just get slapped by the wind it was horrific we went straight from the airport to kmart to buy jackets because i would never worn a jacket in my life go straight there i go to school here's the thing as a 10 year old kid it's pretty tough because all of a sudden you have all these white people going hey aren't you glad to be home and i'm sitting there going i don't know i'm not home i don't i don't really understand i'm home uh, at school the first day at school i uh, i'm there and and i turn to my friend i go hey uh what time's mary ended today the five Filipinos are giggling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know what's coming. I go, what time is Marienda? The guy's looking at me, and go, what are you talking about? I'm in fifth grade. I go, what? No, Marienda, like, what time is Marienda? He goes, dude, and he swore at me, like, what, you know, what are you talking about? It's Marienda. At 10 years old, I realized that Marienda wasn't an English word. It was actually a Tagalog word, which means like recess morning tea. I mean, you, you want to talk about being culturally screwed up. All of a sudden, I didn't realize what I knew, what was up, what was down. I mean, every time I accidentally swore, I just blamed it on being from another country. Oh, sorry. That's an okay word in the Philippines. <laughs> so I tried to assimilate with the, with the culture and with the environment. And so the only thing I really knew, the only thing I really loved at the time was sports. I'm a, I'm a sports nut. I, I love every type of sport. Every, well, most types of sport. Uh, I think sailing's dumb. <laughs> I uh, let's all jump in a boat and race each other anyway so this is what I did I went down to the library and I just hired out books I hired out old VHS tapes of every state of origin game whether you like rugby league or not I hired out these old books of all these cricketing things AFL man all of a sudden I learned I learned who Tony Madra was isn't that funny I know that'd get a bit of a rise from Adelaide We'd play, uh, oh, what do you call it here? King Mark's Up. We'd call it King of the Pack in Melbourne. In Tasmania, they call it Jack in the Pack. Tasmania. Pfft. Anyway. <laughs> So you'd go up for the mark, Mudra! And and what I did, I actually began to fall in love with AFL because it was a way that I could connect with people. I could put all the cultural stuff behind me and and I could actually just connect on the football field. So I began to play football. Because I'm a really naturally gifted athlete, I picked it up quite fast. Uh, And and, and I learned this really quickly. Uh, Apart from loving the greatest team ever to exist, which is the Essendon Bombers. Love them, passion, oh thank you. Fellow drug takers, awesome. (laughs) We have to stick together. Hey, stick together. They didn't prove it. <laughs> so apart from loving s and Bombers and, and AFL, I, I began to learn how to play AFL. And you got to understand, like I'm a filipino american Aussie new Zealand-whacked-up kid, man. I, I'm desperate. I, I love passionately the All Blacks in New Zealand. It's just incredible. But, but as I began to play football, I mean, it's a weird ball. I've never seen it before. There's four sticks. Why isn't there just two? Why do you, why do you get rewarded for doing a bad job? <laughs> I mean, it's like we're giving kids participation medals for coming eighth place. It's like you came eighth, you suck. Don't get better. Mommy, I came eighth, I'm awesome. No, you're not. Get better. You're going to raise a generation of apathetic kids. Anyway, we want to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry if you're that eighth place. What? So this is what I learned as I played football. This is what I learned is that I remember this one time we had a round robin And we had this little cup that we were playing for It was like, you know, inner schools cup And they sat the cup on the side Sat it on the side, I'm going somewhere with this I've just taken a long time to get there They sat the cup on the side And so it's on the side side of the field there And we began to play football Here's the thing, that's the prize That's what we're going to win But in the middle of the game I didn't get the ball turned And begin to kick it to the prize What did I do? I kicked it to the goal Because to get the prize, I need to get the goal. I need to press on towards the goal in order to receive the prize. You don't kick the ball at the prize, you kick the ball at the goal. So in life, what is the goal and what is the prize? It's simply this. All the rewards, all the fruits, all the great things that happen in life, they're not the goal. They're simply the prize. The prize is an offset of achieving the goal. What is the goal? Simply this, to know Christ. That is the goal. The goal is that we would know Christ. The problem is in our Christian world so many times, we turn from the goal with the ball and we look towards the prize and we begin to kick towards the prize. And we chase after the prize and not the goal. I want to read this scripture again, add in a few more verses, and I want to read it from the message version. Is that okay? We're allowed to use the message in this church? Awesome. Awesome. If you're a theologian, just curl up and shake. <laughs> That's what it says from verse four in the message version. It says this the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I am tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. I could stop there and it'd be good enough, but we'll keep going. Yes. All the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all into trash so I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that keeps coming from a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I want to do it. I'm not saying I have this all together. Anyone else? Anyone else doesn't have it together today? Come on, lift your hand quickly. Lift, show me. You know why I'm doing that? Because there's some people that have walked in here for the first time thinking they've walked into a room full of perfect people, but really, they've walked into a room full of screwed up people. We're just all on a journey. We've got Jesus to do it with. So if this is your first time, welcome. We're all messed up. Some more than others. I'm trying to find where I am. (laughs) Verse 12, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onwards to Jesus. I'm off and running and not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. I believe this is one of the most important lessons we can learn as Christians is to learn what the goal is and what the prize is. Subtlety will eventually kill us. You know why? Because if we begin to focus on the prize and not the goal, even if it's just one degree off the path that God has for us, it may not affect you this year. It may not affect you next year, may not affect you even in five years, but let me tell you, in 25 years, you'll be wondering why your marriage is where it's at. It's because 25 years ago, you became one degree off. You began to chase the prize instead of the goal. In 25 years, you'd be wondering, why am I like this in my job? Why do I have these insecurities? Why, because 25 years ago, you were one degree off, you began to chase the prize and not the goal. These are a couple, I wanna share with you this morning, a couple of the prizes that we chase, that we should not chase. But we should chase Jesus Christ, the goal. Because the fact is, you know, in John 15, verse 5, I love this. Jesus actually talks about it and he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, you will be fruitful. Like it's awesome. So, so the prize is the fruit. It's incredible. But without the vine, there's no fruit. And all the time, so many times we're sitting and going, I want the fruit, I want the fruit. Bless me, Lord. And we forget that without the vine, there's no fruit. Stop concentrating on the fruit, start concentrating on the vine. So this is the first thing that sometimes we chase as a prize is recognition. Here's the thing. God loves recognition. He talks about it in the Bible that we are the head and not the tail. We are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are the salt of the earth. I believe that Christians should be celebrated. Christians in influence and significance, we should celebrate that. God is not anti-recognition. Jesus was not anti-recognition, but he knew that it was a prize and it wasn't the goal. He had recognition. He walked through and people got palm leaves and sang, Hosanna, Hosanna. Do you remember those Sundays? Palm, what do we call it? Palm, palm Sunday? You remember that? Do you guys do that in your church, Palm Sunday? Let me tell you, I always wish that no new person would come to church on Palm Sunday. It's like they come to church and we all got palms going, Hosanna. I'm like, no, don't come to church. This is the weird Sunday. Jesus had it all. He had the recognition. He had the crowds. He had thousands of people sitting and listening to him, even without a microphone. He was a miracle worker. He had all the recognition, but he knew that it was a prize and it wasn't a goal. How do we know this? Because when Satan took him up, showed him the world and said, hey, I'll give you all this, he turned to him and said, I don't need this. And he began to quote the word of God, what his father said. He didn't need the recognition of the world. He knew that that was the prize, but the goal was to know Christ. There's some people here today that you'll you'll get recognized in the world, and there's other people that you won't get recognized in the world. It doesn't matter what journey you're on. What matters is this. Are you straining towards Jesus? Are you pushing towards Jesus? If your recognition comes because you're straining and, and striving to get towards the recognition... I promise you it will only last a little while. When you win a premiership, when an AFL club wins a premiership, people celebrate like the the world's about to end. Yes. You know, just think back to 1997, Andrew McLeod. Gee, I'm doing all right today, aren't I? Jeff Blatt, the glory days. Exactly. You win the premiership. Let's go to 98, the second one that you won. Was it 98? Yeah, 98. The second one you won. We're the greatest team alive. Andrew McLeod, I love you. Have my babies. Like everyone's doing this crazy, just doing stuff. I love you. Guess what happened? The very first bounce of the next year, everyone forgot that Adelaide had won the premiership. Recognition is so fleeting. But striving towards Christ. That's the goal. Not The, recon- the recognition will come, and it will go. But if your security is in Striving towards Christ that will stay with you forever. Don't chase the fruit. The fruit will come. Chase the vine. Water the vine. Don't water the fruit. Water the vine. The second one is this. It is, my iPad would work, it's results. Sometimes we chase recognition. Other times we we chase results. I mean, God is all about results. He's not anti-results talks about fruitfulness all the time. Jesus demanded it. I mean, the parable of the talents. Have you actually read through the parable of the talents? It's an incredible parable in which a, a man is given one, two, five. The master comes back. What have you done with it? The fives double it. The twos double it. And the one, the guy with the one, he didn't even lose it. He looked after what he got, and the master called him a wicked and lazy servant. I mean, God is all about results. Jesus produced results, he produced miracles, he produced salvations. Man, if we tried to write all the things that Jesus did in the three years that he's on this planet, we wouldn't have books enough to be able to write down all the things he did. Jesus had results, but he knew that results weren't the prize. Goal, he knew that it was the prize. How do I know this? Because Jesus got up, and in the midst of his highest ministry, in the midst of him having results, he preached the Dracula message. Come, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, you want to empty out a church? Tell everyone to come and nibble on yourself. (laughs) If he was concerned with results, he never would have preached that message. Because what happened? His congregation fled. They left. They got out of there. But he wasn't concerned with results because he knew it was the prize. He was concerned with doing his father's will. He knew that he had to press on towards what the father had for him. If he was concerned with results, he never would have gone into the temple and went all crazy Indiana Jones on everyone. Ah, get out of my father's house. I love angry Jesus. Angry Jesus gives me an excuse to be angry. No, it doesn't. That's bad teaching. But if he was concerned with results, I mean, sometimes we're just happy to get people into church. He's getting people out of church. I remember this one time I was preaching and, and it was... Uh, so I started preaching around in different churches and I, and I was beginning to, to preach around. I went and preached for my buddy of mine on the Sunshine Coast. Had a, had a great youth ministry up there. It was awesome. And, and I preached a sermon which is like, a, you, you know, like if, you ha- if you're a preacher and you have like a guaranteed, you know, this is going to get them. This is going to be a great sermon. You know, like in your life, you know, you're good at something. Something in this sermon's awesome. So I preach it. I give it everything I have. And, uh, and this was like a, 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 special evangelistic night. Everyone's invited their friends. It's all awesome. You know, my buddy's like, James, you know, we're believing for 20, 25 people to respond to Jesus. I'm like, Pff. I'm like in my, in, outwardly. I'm like, yeah, awesome, man. We're going to do it inwardly. I'm like 25, double it. <laughs> anyway, so I get up, preach, get to the end. And, uh, and I did actually what I'm going to do in just a few moments' time, so don't get cynical about me. But I, uh, but I said, hey, everyone, close your eyes. And I began to just talk about Jesus and what he had done and, and how he had died on the cross for our sin, all that stuff that has separated us from God. I said, who here tonight wants to give their heart to Jesus? On the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. And in that moment, it was almost like this real, like, I just, my shoulders went back, my chest went out. I'm like, yeah, we're about to drop this. And I said, lift your hands, one, two, three. And I was overwhelmed as I looked out to the crowd as two people lifted their hands. <laughs> and I was heartbroken. And I'm sitting there and I start freaking out, going, two people, uh, in my arrogant, prideful self, I just said I was going to get 50. Uh, so, you know, I start doing like everything like, uh, you know, come on, if you're in this place and once you knew Jesus, but you've walked away, come on, why don't you lift your hands tonight? Like two more people. Come on, you know. Hey, if you've had a bad week this week, I'm ashamed to say, it. hey, hey, you know, maybe you're sitting here and you just, you've had a rough day in the last three months. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands, lift your hand. Suffice to say, I was gutted, walked off the stage, only a couple people found Jesus. I mean, how stupid am I? People found Jesus and I was gutted, like, I was, it was so dumb. I remember having my private time that night as I went to bed God is like just feeling so bad and I felt God just, you know those moments where you're a moron and God just comes in and reveals to you how much of a moron you are a lot of people think that God is mean like he comes down and goes you're a moron he doesn't say, he just holds up a mirror and goes hey this is what you look like all he does just reveals to us and I just felt God smash me and said this said would you do what I say even if you didn't get results and in that moment as a young man I was only 22 at the time thank God it happened to me that young in my ministry because in that moment I thought you know what this whole thing ain't about results I love numbers I love I love no, I love that we count why because there's a whole lot of numbers going to hell outside of this church so don't get me wrong, I'm all about numbers, I like it, but, but the fact is this, I'm not driven by numbers, that's the prize, the goal is to know Christ and to do my Father's will. That's the goal. Matthew 7, 21, it's one of the strongest verses in the Bible, it's a very scary verse. Jesus talking about how people will come and, and they say, Lord, Lord, I knew you, but I, I did all these things, I did all these things. God would turn around and say, yeah, but I didn't know you. All these things, I did miracles, I prophesied, I saw people get healed. That's all the prizes. They're awesome. Don't get me wrong, they're amazing. But God in that verse doesn't say, hey, well done, you did all those things. God says, I didn't know you. Know you, that's the goal, to know Christ. Lastly is this, is relationships. Sometimes we can make relationships the goal when really relationships is the prize. I mean, God loves relationships. Don't get me wrong. He loves it. He ordains it. In Genesis, he ordained relationships between Adam and Eve. He talks about how it's not good for man to be alone. In the New Testament, we see uh, uh, talking about a church, how we're all members of a body. We all have our task, and we all have our giftings to do what we need, but we're members of a body. We're not individual fingers or hands or feet. We're all connected to a body. God loves relationships. Jesus enjoyed relationships in his ministry. He loved his disciples. He loved hanging out. I mean, we don't really get to see it so much in the Gospels, but I always imagine, you know, they would have had fun running along the Sea of Galilee, you know, body surfing in the afternoon, uh, you know, Jesus just running down the wave while the other guys are getting trampled. You know, Jesus had fun. He had relationships with people. You forget that, that it took Jesus 30 years before he stepped out and into his ministry. He had 30 years of having annoying brothers and sisters. I would love it if we had an insight into Jesus' dating life as a teenager. Like, I just wonder, you know, because you know how, like, some girls, you know, it's like, hey, do you want to go They're like, no, I'm dating Jesus. Have you ever heard that? Jesus is my boyfriend. What's Jesus going to say? Sorry, I love myself. I, I, Jesus, he was in the relationships, but you know what? Jesus knew that it wasn't the goal, he knew that it was the prize. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus knew it wasn't the goal, he knew it was the prize. I mean, again, the Dracula message, he knew it. He lost friends over that thing, no doubt. Yeah. His mother came to him one time and he, in the middle of him preaching, he said, My mother, my sister, I do not know them. I mean, his mom. He knew that relationships were the prize, it wasn't the goal. You know, I remember God speaking to me so clearly. When I got married, and, and I adore my wife. You, you have no idea. I, you know, I love my church. I love ministry. I love life. I love sports. But they're all meaningless without my wife. I, I just think my wife is the greatest thing apart from Jesus that has ever happened to me. And, uh, and even though I love my wife, I remember God just impressing on my heart right before I got married. You know, as you're getting married, you're young, you're excited. It's like, yes, you know, she's my world. She's this. But I really felt God impress upon my heart and say this, your wife won't have your heart, I'll have your heart. And you're kind of like, what? Your wife should have your heart. And, you know, go with me here. Of course my wife has my heart. But really, who really has my heart is God. Because whatever you give your heart to, you allow access into your life at any given time. Whatever you give your heart to. Some of us give our heart to our jobs. Some of us give our heart to our careers and our money, our mortgage. Some of us give our hearts and our relationships to people that we shouldn't be giving them to. Even though I love my wife, I don't want her to have my heart that way. I want God to have my heart. I adore my wife, but God is more important to me than my wife. I adore my children, my child and my future children, my two boys that we will prophetically have in the future that will be incredibly gifted sportsmen in Jesus' name. I love them, but guess what? They don't have my heart. God has my heart. I'll do anything for them. I'll take a bullet for them. I wish that I could get a hip replacement that was titanium so I could take a bullet in my titanium hip. I wish I could do that. I'm going to love my boys, hopefully in Jesus' name. Let it come. I'm going to love them. But guess what? They don't have my heart. God has my heart. He has my heart. Jesus, why does God have my heart? This is what you got to understand. Why does God have my heart? Because simply what he did through his son, Jesus. It's maybe your first time you've ever been to church. I just got to share with you what Jesus did for me. Because whether you realize it or not, he did it for you as well. I was 17 years old. I'd grown up in church my whole life. I I had, uh, you know, I did the church thing. I was there. But I, I was not a Christian. I knew it all. I'd seen the miracles. I never denied that Christ was real or that God was real. But I just wanted nothing to do with that. I'm 17 years old. My parents sent me back to the Philippines for a year by myself. And it was amazing. I partied up a year away from your parents as a 17-year-old. It's like the greatest gift that they could ever give you. It was incredible. About four months into being there, I'm playing basketball with all my buddies one night. And one of my great friends, he was a Canadian guy called Steve Enns. Hilarious. We're all playing ball. He falls on the ground, begins to shake a little bit. The short along long is this. He has a gigantic heart attack as a 17-year-old boy and dies on the basketball court in front of me and 20 of my best friends. Nuts. Just I know I'm saying it fast, but it, it was nuts. First time I'd ever experienced death that close. I remember later on that night I walked down and I was sitting behind our school gym. Uh, there there's about 200 dorm students that had come up. It was just hectic. It, it was a wild night. And I went and I sat by myself and I was still in shock, still trying to deal with what had happened. And I sat on this seat. It was amazing because I got to take my wife and my, my baby girl there at the beginning of this year. It's the most significant seat that I've ever sat in. And I sat there overlooking the city of Manila. Little did I know, Fourteen years later, I'd be moving back. But I'm sitting there, and I'm overlooking Manila, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying. And in my head, I go, God, if I had died tonight, where would I have gone? And I just blurted out, hell. And it scared me. I always thought, I'll just take care of it when I'm older. I'll just do it when I'm older. Uh, You know, I've got time. I'll just muck around. I'll take it seriously when I'm older. But in that moment, I had a brush with eternity. And I realized, maybe I don't have that time. And then all of a sudden, in the next few months, I began to learn more about Jesus. And the thing is, when you grow up in church, you kind of learn about Jesus. But a lot of times, you don't learn about Jesus. So I knew what Jesus had done. Yeah, he died on the cross. Yeah, he came to forgive our sins. But what does that mean? No, I began to have a revelation in my heart going, hold on. So this sin that I have done, you know, Romans chapter 3, 23, it says this, for we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I love that verse. Isn't it a great verse? You're like, what? That's kind of depressing. You know why I love that verse? Because it means the person next to you is as much of a rat bag as what you are. (laughs) Look at him. Look at him. Some of you are like, I know. I've been telling everyone. (sighs) I love it. We're all on this journey. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've all done things either knowingly or unknowingly that has separated us from God. And what does that deserve? Well, a couple of chapters later in Romans 6, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Oh, this message is getting better. Not only are we all losers, now we all deserve death. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but the free gift of Jesus Christ is eternal life. Oh, thank God for the second bit of that verse, which essentially means this, that we all... We all deserve death. We all deserve a life separated from God. But because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross, and not only did he die on the cross, but he defeated the grave three days later, he rose again. So that all we have to do is what it says in Romans 10, which is confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, and the greatest words in the Bible, and we will be saved. That's all we have to do. And I began to get that revelation in my heart. That this wasn't just about trying to do good things. See, sometimes you grow up in church. And even our parents, God bless their beautiful souls. But sometimes in church, we wrongly teach that the prize is the goal. Hey, Jesus will love you if you're better at school. If you do something wrong, you got to ask for forgiveness. and, And through good parenting, sometimes we shift the goal and we turn it towards the prize. The goal is to know Christ. I strive towards the goal that I may win the prize. But the goal is to know Jesus. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's no way that you can buy it. There's no way that you can be a good person to know Christ. Simply, it's about humbling ourselves and saying, God, I'm at the end of myself. I need you. Jesus, I need you the goal it's my goal to know Christ do I want the prizes heck yes I do I'd be lying to you if I got up and said I don't I don't want the prizes I'm a super Christian I'm all about Jesus (laughs) no kidding me of course I want I, I want to grow this church in Manila that we're about to plant I feel God's putting me a church of hundreds of thousands around the country Makes it easier when there's 100 million people in the country, but... That's what I feel. I, I, I feel like I want... God's put on my heart. You, you know what? God's put on my heart that there, there's so much sex trafficking in the Philippines. It's, it's absolutely... It's disgusting. And I hate it. And I, I hate it with a passion. And God's put on my heart to build rehabilitation centers that we're not just going to rescue young children, but we're going to rehabilitate them in such a way that when they walk out, it's going to be like they've never even been involved in it because of the healing of Jesus. But, but honestly, that's the prize. You know what that comes out of? That comes out of knowing Christ. Comes out of knowing Christ. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.